0: hello and welcome to this week's episode of banter on the parkway i am your host brian from bannersontheparkway.com we've got a full crew with us which means joining me today is Vern troyer's little brother brad how you doing brad
1: i'm doing pretty well i was told that we were just going to discuss election politics for the next hour and a half though
0: well, yeah, I mean, that's a big story, but I've not seen anyone covering it, you know? Like, there's been almost no media coverage of the fact there was an election in the um, United States presidential election. Actually, we were talking before the podcast, Braden didn't even know there had been an election. So, um, yeah, we're definitely going to shine some light on that because there are some things that need discussed here. Um, but speaking of disgusting, uh Joel is with us for the first time this season. Joel, uh, how are you?
2: Oh, I was doing great until Brad mentioned the election. Uh, It's been obviously a weird year, and it's nice to be back for this little slice of what serves as normalcy in my life, if not for our listeners.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a, well, never mind. Um, (laughs) We also are joined by uh, the youngest member of our crew, Braden. Braden, um, how are you? Uh, I can't complain. I've had a nice uh day of work
3: outside and the probably the last nice weather we're gonna have this November. So I was enjoying that.
2: How's school way? going, Schmel? Uh,
3: it's going great. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs>
2: knew that was coming so
0: um i mean we've got some some news some of it more recent than others but um xavier obviously was um is scheduled to open the season against oakland um but oakland has had some positive covid tests so joel can you walk us kind of what's going on with the the golden grizzlies and um maybe your um opinion or if you have any idea of how likely that game is to go forward as scheduled
2: Well, like you mentioned, Oakland's head coach, either Greg Camp or Greg Campy. I've only ever read his name and never heard somebody who knows how to pronounce it say it out loud. It's it's uh,
0: Scampi, like the Italian dish.
2: Wow. It's one of those invisible letters. Yeah. But anyway, he tested positive for the Rona. And obviously, first and foremost, our thoughts and prayers are with him for a mild case and a quick recovery. (sighs) Secondary to the obvious health concerns in an international pandemic, is the fact that this does throw a spanner in the works for their preparation for plan X. Uh, the, the timing of his positive test is such that, uh, assuming nobody else tests positive out of Oakland, there will be three days from when he is cleared to when they are supposed to tip off against Xavier. So, obviously less than ideal for your preparation to have your head coach out for two weeks, two and a half weeks before... Your first game is supposed to start. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you also saw that today Miami University, Florida, has had to postpone their season opener due to positive uh, corona tests. And then uh, Tom Izzo has also tested positive. So, you know, we, obviously the, the numbers are off the chart all around the country. And you hope that some sort of miracle goes around that exempts our favorite college sport from, from feeling the effects of that too hard. But it's difficult to be uh, too optimistic of uh, seeing anything even resembling a normal season with the way, uh, you know, the, the positive tests, the rolling average of daily positive tests in America has near as makes no difference tripled since the beginning of October So the the trend is not encouraging. And if you're hoping for a normal college basketball season, uh, you know, light a candle and definitely wear a mask.
0: I mean, I am hoping for that, but I do not own any candles. So I guess I need to go buy one.
2: Um, Wear two masks.
0: Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I could just double up on the masks. Good. Um, so I mean in maybe more hopeful news, uh, the Big East did go ahead and start announcing game times um for the the first round of first few rounds, I guess, of Big East games.
2: So we're off to a flyer here. What I will say is you run down the, the schedule of game times that have been announced, and every one of Xavier's games is on FS1. So if you have the very most basic cable package, you're going to be able to watch X. None of this garbage is getting stuck back on CBS SN or anything like that. So obviously that's a good news. If you live in the greater Cincinnati area and you want to watch college basketball without having to pay for a subscription to ESPN eight, the Ocho, you do have an option to to tune into a local team playing conference games. There we go.
0: Um, <laughs> so there's also been talk that the big East may, um, they have a bubble um, so that they they don't have as many variables as far as uh the the um, pandemic goes. Um and that's been kicked around possible at the the Mohegan Sun or Omaha or Providence or maybe a combination of those locations. Joel, how likely do you think that is? And and do you think it's something that would be a good thing for the Big East?
2: Yeah, I think that would definitely be a good thing for the Big East because anything you can do to limit the exposure of the student athletes to the pandemic is obviously going to be a positive. Uh, I think what's interesting and maybe unique about this year is that a lot of schools are already trending towards some or all sorts of virtual class. So I think this gives the NCAA a lot more freedom and not that they really care anyway, but they continue to posture to care about these kids' education rather than just using them to make a buck. Hey, student comes <laughs> first. They're student athletes. That's true, only in the way <clears> they've <throat> set it up. Alphabetically and in every other meaningful manner, <laughs> these guys are cash cows. But you can say, hey, man, uh, we're all going to go down to the, the conference room in the Mohegan Sun, sit six feet apart, log on to the Wi Fi and participate in our Zoom classes. And while it's probably not ideal from an educational perspective, you're getting more or less the same experience as everybody else in that class is, assuming they bother to log in and go to pretend class.
1: And it seems pretty fitting for the NCAA to have students in class in a casino. Just really seems to tie that whole, (laughs) this is a money-making venture thing up in a nice neat little bow that i think even at the height of their ironic peak they couldn't have come up with on their own
2: yeah we're still gonna find the positives one of
0: the the casualties of 2020 is definitely irony um and (laughs) i'm not gonna go into the moment i believe irony died but suffice it to say it is dead (laughs) um so uh yeah the the big east seems determined to move forward with this season. And it it, it looks like they're doing a lot of common sense things to try and make that as feasible as possible. Um, You know, as far as putting together a bubble and trying to, to, um, I mean, you look at that big schedule and assuming no one has any positive tests, it's going to be um, an absolute bear to play through that schedule. But I think the assumption is someone will have a positive test at some point. And so they're trying to, to cushion it a little bit so that they have time to get all the games in. Of course, now with the 20 game conference schedule. Um, so the first part of our Xavier season preview, um, we should talk about who is suiting up for Xavier this year. Um, and we'll start with the new guys. Xavier um, got four transfers that came in over the um, summer, which two of which are still waiting for waivers, two of which um are for sure going to be on the roster so so um Braden, why don't you uh handle what what xavier getting in brian griffin the the d2 transfer uh i will do my best to fill in for brad
3: in this role yeah he's coming in um obviously like you said from division two which has worked out for us well in the past uh the one time we've done it in my lifetime so we've got history on our side there um <clears throat> But coming in, he's he's at he stands at six eight. He weighs two thirty. He is, uh, as people say, an absolute unit. And in D two, he pretty much owned anybody uh, inside. Um, was really good in and around the rim. Uh, had a little bit of an ability to step out, though. Did that a little bit more than he perhaps should have, because uh, his uh, shooting line was not great um, from beyond the arc. But he is insanely athletic. He's a good rebounder. He's good at banging in and around the rim, so he he does well in there. And I think that's really uh, where he's going to show is in rebounds, uh, especially if he can get into the physicality of the Big East and just be able to go toe to toe with the big guys in there.
0: Gotcha. Um, he's good at banging in and around the rim, so he's good yes. at inside the rim.
3: In, he inside bangs. the rim like he is okay. insane from inside the rim that dude barely misses it's extraordinary
2: okay nobody dominates the cylinder quite like brian griffin well yeah. um funny i mean funny octavius story. ellis
3: sucks <laughs> in around
2: the rim
0: and uh, brian griffin puts <laughs> him to shame. <laughs> oh my goodness you beat me to it um but you know you're you're younger you're quicker You're hungrier. So I guess I need to be put out to pasture. This is probably it for me, guys. Uh, But Joel, uh, also uh, hopefully suiting up for Xavier this year will be the Belmont transfer, um, Adam Kunkel. I know um, you're pretty high on him. So why don't you go through what Xavier is getting with him, hopefully this year, if not next year?
2: Absolutely. I am super high on Adam Kunkel because he can do something that Xavier as a team could not last year, and that is make jump shots. Uh, local kid from Hebron or Heron, Kentucky, depending on how much time you spent in church before you were confronted with that city name in the wild. Uh, played a couple years at Belmont. Just a really, really high level shooter. Uh, Last year, he was 79-206 from behind the arc, thirty-eight, just a hair over 38% against D1 opponents. Uh, He's a a catch-and-shoot guy to some extent, but he's not afraid to put the ball on the floor and uh, dribble into a shot if he needs to. Um, The other thing I love about him is he is a a knockdown free throw shooter. Uh, His freshman year, he shot 92% albeit on 13 attempts. Last year, he was 84 of 102, which is a little bit over 82%. So he, uh, you know, that just speaks to a pure stroke. And then uh, in-game, he's got good shot selection. Uh, About a quarter of his shots last year came from the mid-range and he knocked down 41% of those, which is a pretty good number from that range. And only about one in five of those was assisted. So he's, you know, a catch-and-shoot guy from deep for the most part, but if defenses close out too aggressively on him, he can put the ball on the floor and uh, dribble into a jump shot. Whether or not he has to come inside the arc to get that. Um, Not going to be playing above the rim. Not a super strong finisher. Uh, You're hoping at some point in time that he and Matt Jennings can work together to put a little bit more muscle on his frame, but I think he's a guy who has a skill set that plays day one. And I think his ceiling is going to be higher than maybe some people expect because of the the savvy he plays with and how good he is at finding the little bit of space he needs to get a shot off.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Also joining him in the, hopefully they play this year. um, Category will be Ben Stanley. Um, So, Braden, why don't you you go through um, Ben Stanley for us here?
3: I'd love to. So, he just finished up uh, his second year at Hampton um, where he scored 22 points per game. So, obviously, he's probably not going to carry that straight to the Big East, though I'd love it if he did. Um, But he, like Griffin, is uh, something of – I think he could be a bit of a matchup nightmare for other teams because he's 6'6", 225, um, so he's he's quick enough um, that he can take uh, the big bigger kind of seven-foot uh, centers uh, off the bounce. But he's also really, really strong. He pulled in uh, 7.2 rebounds per game last year. Um, he doesn't really step out and shoot that many threes. He shot 33% from there, but was only attempting a little over one per game. He's not the greatest from the line, shot about 65% last year, but he is uh, he is very effective, uh, much like Brian Griffin, in and around the rim. So he, he really makes it tell from in there. He was attempting 15 field goals uh, from two-point range last year, and he probably obviously won't keep up that same uh, usage rate, but if he can really uh, make the most of the – The shots that he's taken, get those quality shots um, inside the arc. Uh, I think he could really come in and be an instant impact if he's allowed to play. Um, Not that we'll find that out anytime soon, I guess. Well, we better. Yeah. Why would why would we need that information? I think they'll tell us like around Christmas. Like it's supposed to be a Christmas gift to X. Like just like, hey, he can play this year. Right. (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I
0: I just love for him to be, like, on the bench before the first game. And they're like, no, the starter for Xavier, Ben Stanley, we we think. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll see if they stop us.
2: Um, And then the I'm other. I'm getting a little bit of uh, an Isaiah Fillmore vibe off of Ben Stanley. I think uh, maybe what Fillmore was to the A-10, Ben Stanley, can be Big East Isaiah Fillmore. It's going to be. I mean, the game has changed since Fillmore was suiting up for Xavier, but if you're six six, two and a quarter give or take, like Ben Stanley is uh you know you may not be able to to suit up and run twenty twenty five minutes at the five. I think his three point stroke is good enough, but i'm if we have a game where we're counting on Ben Stanley to knock down two or three threes for us, that might be an issue, but I think he will uh he'll find his niche in rebounding on both ends, getting in there and banging, and being kind of a, a four- or five-man glue guy, the way that, that you could count on Fillmore to go out there and get you a, maybe eight and five a game without needing his number called too many times. I thought he
1: also right. called to mind I- Andre Walker a little bit. on That same kind of... I think he's a, he's a little quicker than Fillmore was, but you're right. He's one of those glue guys who can get you a little bit from a bunch of different places, and hopefully, kind of help patch the things together. We've had that more of a guard recently, and like the Kyle and he's more of a, a forward center level.
0: Okay, um, and then the final transfer coming in um, who who will be eligible to shoot up is Greg Transfer from Gardner-Webb, Nate Johnson. Um, not not quite as tall as Stanley. Um, he's only like 6'3", 6'4", um, but uh, he, he's quick. He can jump out of the gym, and what he brings to the table is um, a a willingness to shoot the three-pointer and, and obviously an aptitude for the three-pointer last year. He shot 41% from three. Um, his final 11 games of the season, he made multiple three-pointers. Um, so that was something that Xavier badly needed with somebody who could consistently knock down, um, you know, a couple three-point shots every game. And Nate Johnson literally did it 11 times in a row um, to end last season uh, for Gardner-Webb. Um, he's another, he's, he's long. So uh, I think he, he's going to be one of those guys who can play in the passing lanes. Um, he had a pretty uh, high steal rate last year. It was three point one percent. Um, and so the the comparison for him, I think somebody made it on Twitter too, is a bit of a, a Malcolm Bernard type. Um, maybe not quite as big as Malcolm. I I think Malcolm probably had a couple of inches on him, but one of those guys who's gonna you know do everything um pretty well, knock down shots when you need him to, obviously. Um, sometimes it's glossed over in, in the game, blew it ad and the shot O'Mara made. But Bernard made some huge shots down the stretch against Arizona, if you guys remember. And hopefully Nate Johnson can do the same thing in the Sweet 16. Um, and uh, so he's he's the other transfer coming in. And, of course, Xavier's not just bringing in transfers. They also enlisted three freshmen. Um, so, Brad, why don't you walk us through what Xavier's getting in uh, Dwan Odom, who's probably the, the highest regarded uh, of the incoming class.
1: What they're getting in Dwan Odom is a point guard, uh, which is something they don't really have a pure option for on the team right now. Odom can shoot. He can score. There's no question about that. Um, he's built, like, a small truck. Um, he can get to the rim. He's incredibly explosive. I wrote an article this year, uh, that listed how many cars he could probably jump over. Um, he can get all the way up to kind of a mid-size sedan before he's going to have some trouble clearing it, uh, just from a one step jump. Uh, he shot 65% from the floor as a senior in high school, 74% from the line. Um, he's not really a jump shooter. Uh, he, he gets to the rim well, but the one thing that Odom does is distribute the ball. Um, that's what Coach Steele has talked about since he was recruiting him. That's what he's been brought in to do. Xavier has Paul Scruggs and Kiki Tandy, um, maybe Colby Jones, who we'll get to, who can play the one, but none of those guys are point guards. Dewan Odom is a point guard. He just kind of follows that Xavier prototype point guard who can also jump, you know, four feet in the air. Um, he really has a chance I think to make an impact this season, but what they're getting in Dwan Odom is a prototype point guard, the kind that they don't currently have on the roster.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, So also joining him will be Colby Jones. So um, Braden, are are you prepared to uh, discuss Colby Jones?
3: I mean, I think so. So I'll just get right into it. Uh, So So the way Brad was saying with Odom coming in as a straight-up point guard, Jones uh, is kind of all over the place with where he can play. Um, Travis Steele has said he can play effectively the one through the three. Um, He's a really good on-ball defender. He rebounds pretty well for a guard. Um, But the thing is, he is so effective at doing multiple things, so he can shoot from outside pretty well. Um, He's got a decent pull-up. He gets to the rim well. And at 6'5", he could post up smaller guards. Um, Obviously, uh, going into college, he'll have to pack on some muscle to be able to kind of hang inside. But he attacks the offensive glass well, is one thing that uh, people have said about him, even in the recent practices um, with uh, the team. And he's just somebody that can do it all. Uh, He he plays really hard, really well on defense. Um, I think if he can... um, prove that he can stay with a quicker guard or uh, hang with maybe a bigger forward he'll get a lot of time on the court and I think getting him on the court will um, really help x in the long run this year because since he can plug so many spots um, maybe he can fill in for somebody having an off night um, fill in for somebody who's getting tired and that'll really be where he can uh, prove to be most effective is just that he's so versatile um, that he can he can just fill in at any time and do just about anything on the floor.
0: Okay, so, so uh, again, another, um, maybe like a, a Malcolm Bernard or um, Stanley Burrell type where, where you can throw him out there and know he's going to um, lock somebody down, hit some shots, things like that. Um, Joel, why don't you tell us about C.J. Wilcher?
2: The one thing you need to know about C.J. Wilcher, if you don't know anything else about him, is that the dude can shoot. Um, he's just absolutely got range outside the gym. He's also got a set you can bowl with. In the final game of his uh, high school state championship, he brought his team back from down late in the fourth quarter with three NBA range threes that everybody in the gym knew were coming and nobody in the gym could do anything to stop. Um, I know in the past, if you might have fallen in love with Elias Harden or Damir Bishop, you're a little bit wary about a, a bigger bodyguard guard who's supposed to be able to come in and knock down jump shots right away. But after watching CJ Wilcher's film, I'm ready to be hurt again. He's got a little bit of turn in his jump shot that I don't love, but Trayvon Blue had also had a little bit of turn in his jump shot that I didn't love and he turned out okay. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready to saddle Wilcher with those expectations just yet, but he's cut out of the same mold of a guy who's not not super bouncy, not going to play above the rim, not going to put you on a poster. But he's got the footwork and the savvy to to find his spaces, basically anywhere he wants them. And if you give him a whisker, there's a chance that he's going to embarrass you.
0: Okay. Good stuff. So um, having said all that, we've walked through the, the seven new players Xavier's coming, uh, bringing in. Uh, which newcomer are you most excited about? We'll start with Braden.
3: Um, I'm actually most excited about Adam Kunkel because as Joel had said, um, he is what X missed so much last year. And that was just a jump shooter, uh, a guy that could knock down shots. Um, and he can really heat up in a hurry because uh, last year, even in a lesser conference, he could just take games over. Um, so I think that that's really going to be an instant impact. Should he um, be playing this year? Um, but I think that's just what this team needs is another guy who can step in and make it rain from deep.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, Brad, which newcomer
1: uh, are you most excited about? I'm excited with a little bit of trepidation about Brian Griffin. Uh, he comes in with all that Zach Hankins weight on him, which isn't fair. Um, but I'm a sucker for the story of a guy works his butt off through D2 and gets his crack uh, to play D1 basketball in the Big East. He has one season to show what he can do. I, I mean, it's, it's almost fairy tale kind of stuff. So I want to see if Brian Griffin can do make the same of it, uh, like Zach Hankins did, only with hopefully ending in like the big tournament, not the consolation
2: tournament. Did you intentionally Zach? use "butt" and "crack" in the same sentence when you were talking about him?
1: I'm a wordsmith. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what can I say? The people have expectations. Brad meets them. Uh Joel, who are you most excited about?
2: I'm excited to see Duan Odom. Um, first and foremost, because he can be the answer to Xavier's pure point guard question. Uh, if he can be uh what he's billed as. I know Q was kind of that last year, but he struggled with with injury issues and never really got his stride I think if we've got a guy out there who can play that role that's going to allow Paul Scruggs and Kiki Tandy to play roles they're more comfortable with. And everybody just kind of slides down to where they fit more. Uh, I get like a Devontae Smith Rivera vibe off of Odom just in his, his build and his aggressiveness getting into the middle. I don't think he's quite the shooter that that DSR was coming out of high school, but I think he's a, a lot more athletic. And I think between odom and a healthy tandy you are going to see a pair of guards who can really get into the middle and um they're they're going to put it on some guys who challenge them at the rim this year gotcha
0: gotcha oh and dunk on people <laughs> it's like Paul Strugs is actually very good at posting people up i don't know he's only been here three years so sure it's an easy thing to miss but yeah um tandy and odom so bouncy and i can't wait to watch um which one of them punches it on nate watson more times um for jason me carter. i think yeah <laughs> it's obviously the answer is jason carter oh what was i thinking uh for me i i think it's going to be colby jones um just because i love uh, a guard who maybe doesn't have a, a set position but just goes out there plays his tail off gets in people's faces um you know takes absolutely everything that he can uh, from the opposition and, and, you know, is, that uh, just has that, that toughness and that mentality, you know, that Paul Scruggs, obviously I think is the, the um avatar of that right now. And I think Colby Jones is the next in that line um that you're going to see that um, opponents hate and Xavier fans love. Um, But who do you think will have the most instant impact out of these transfers, Joel?
2: I'm going to say Nate Johnson. People are talking about uh you know the, the Malcolm Bernard vibe off of him in Malcolm Bernard's last three college seasons before he went to Xavier he had a grand total of 23s made. In Nate Johnson's last seven college games before he came to Xavier he had 21. Uh he's a little bit smaller than Malcolm, he's probably not going to rebound. Uh, quite as well as Malcolm did, but he's a high-level defender and he can just really shoot the ball. And to have somebody with with the experience under their belt to kind of ease the transition that that uh, C.J. Wilcher's going to have so he doesn't have to come in and feel like he's the guy who's got to knock down the jump shots right away. And hopefully Adam Kunkel will be able to get eligible. I make it sound like he's failing all his classes. Hopefully he'll get a waiver and be able to play that role as well. But uh, Nate Johnson's got a little bit of bounce. He's a real quick defender, and my goodness, can the dude shoot the ball.
1: All right. Um, Brad, who who do you think has the most instant impact? I'm going to piggyback right off of Joel and say that if you were going to create a player to fill in the holes that Xavier had last year, it would have been Nate Johnson. Uh, he can shoot free throws. He can shoot the ball from deep. He can defend. That's all things that Xavier struggled with at various times during the year he's going to step right in. I'm not sure that he'll always be electric though. He has the potential to knock down six threes in a game, but I think that he frees up the rest of Xavier's roster to do the things that they do well and let him handle the shooting travails that Xavier has gone through since coach Steele took over. All right, Braden, are you going with Nate Johnson as the most
0: instant impact as well? No, actually Um, I'm going with my boy,
3: Ben Stanley. Um, I'm will. thinking uh, if he if he is allowed to play, um, I think he can step in and fill uh, some of the the rebounding vacuum uh, that is left from last season, not only on the defensive end, uh, but he really attacks the glass hard. I know it was only in the Big South, but he was getting over two offensive boards per game. Um, I think if he can uh, translate that over to the Big East, maybe not all of those numbers, obviously, uh, but just be. Uh, somebody that can uh, close out possessions on defense and maybe get us some extra buckets on offense uh, just by crashing the boards hard. Um, I think he could step in and really uh, fill in that vacuum that was left.
0: Okay. I'm actually going to go with Ben Stanley as well, uh, because he just brings a a nastiness that I think um, is going to be a lot of fun to watch alongside Zach Fremantle. Um, I think that there are going to be some big guys in the Big East who just, um, end up shying away from the paint a little bit because they don't want to go down there and uh, scrap with those two guys. Um, You saw it with Tyreek as he um, became a senior last year and obviously um, put some incredible performances in, uh, especially during the conference season. I think Stanley is going to help fill that void that, that Tyreek and Najee leave on the defensive glass. Um, and so I think that if if he gets the, uh, the waiver um, and is eligible from day one, he is going to be a, a big impact player for Xavier, although Nate Johnson, I think, is also going to be um, a huge contributor this year as well. So it's a 2-2 tie. You guys settle it on Twitter, um, and whoever wins, um, the other two don't get to be on the podcast next week. So that's how <laughs> it works. Um, Joel, um, out of all the returners uh, for Xavier, that's going to be Paul Scruggs, Jason Carter, Kiki Tandy, Zach Fremantle, Danny Ramsey, and Deontay Miles. Which of those six guys do you think is going to be the most important this season?
2: You know, I think the obvious cases are obvious, but I'm going to throw my hand in the ring for Deontay Miles because I think he has a little bit of something that you don't find very much in the rest of the roster, I think he has seven foot long arms. (laughs) Right. I mean, yeah, basically, he has the potential to be an above the rim big man on both ends of the floor that, you know, I don't think we see in the rest of the roster. Jason Jason Carter certainly, when faced up against Nate Watson, proved it not once but twice. We'll see if Nate Watson needs to learn that lesson a third time this year. Zach Fremantle, uh, I think he's good in the open court but I don't think you can throw the ball to him on the post and watch him dunk on fools quite the way Tyreek could, for instance. And then uh, Brian Griffin and Ben Stanley are both making huge jumps in level of competition. So I'm willing to, to give them some leeway to find their feet. But Deontay miles spent a year battling Tyreek in practice going up against Zach Freeman on a daily basis. And, you know, he's, Anywhere between 6'10 and seven foot, depending on who you ask. He moves really well for a big man. He's got incredible wingspan. I think he can be a guy who rebounds outside of his area, can just go up and punch on guys out of the post, and has the potential to be a, a rim protector on defense. So I don't think you know we're going to quite ride him like Seattle Slough, the way we did with Tyreek at times. But if we <clears> can get 15 or 20 minutes out of him, and, you know, he can get out there, jam up what opponents are trying to do around the rim at both ends, probably realistically speaking, work through his quota of fouls on a fairly regular basis, and just get out there and give us a different element. I think that's something that, that you'll be able to see his value right away.
0: He almost reminds me of a bit of a Jalen Reynolds type, where the athleticism and the length are, are just so overpowering that as he kind of develops his game um around those raw tools you'll really see somebody who can take games over the way that that Jalen ended up being able to um so Braden out of those six who who do you see as the most important um
3: I'm seeing Jason Carter uh because last year uh he obviously struggled uh a lot at times um i think kind of just uh finding his way uh into a bigger program he wasn't necessarily the go-to guy anymore um but i feel like towards the end you could see him start to kind of put it together um he put up 17 um in that butler game which we uh tragically lost at the end but that was his high for the season. And he seemed to kind of uh, gain some more confidence as things went along. Um, His percentages weren't great on the year. They were pretty much all down from the year before. But I think with that year of experience under his belt, um, he'll be able to build that into this coming season. And kind of like we've talked about with Jones, um, he's got a little bit of versatility to him. Um, He can post up pretty decently. Uh, He can take slower guys off the dribble. And he can step out and shoot the three decently well. I think that was something that uh, he struggled with definitely at the start of the season last year. Uh, But if he can just build his confidence from beyond the arc, I think then he becomes very effective. Um, And also, out of the returning players, he had uh, the most rebounds per game um, at just under five. So he also does rebound pretty well from his position. Um, So I think that's also going to be important since we're losing so much rebounding from last year, but uh, I'm looking for him to be a big impact player this year.
0: Okay. Um, For me, I'm going to go with uh, Paul Scruggs, who, who is my boy. Um, I I think you saw the impact he had on last year's team in his absence for the final three games of the season. When um, of course, Xavier lost all three of those games um, with him out injured um and i think he's a guy who could take games over at times last year maybe didn't do it as much as i might have liked him to but i think that this year it's it's going to be his team and he's going to be the guy that xavier um can throw the ball to when they need a basket um, he's so good in the post against smaller guards um, he was Xavier's most effective three-point shooter for most of the season last year I just think that it's going to be Paul Scruggs team and this team is going to to go as far as, as he can take them not that it's going to be a one-man show but I think he's going to be the most um, consistent reliable offensive threat that Xavier has um, and I think that the, there'll be nights where Candy goes off we nights Fremantle goes off there'll probably be nights where, where some of the, the new guys go off um, but I, I think Scruggs is going to be the guy that every night you'll be able to look up and you know he'll have 10, 12, 15 points um, on a fairly efficient shooting line so who can make the biggest jump out of the players from last year Joel
2: I think um, the obvious call here is Kiki Tandy. He struggled with health a little bit getting the season started, but I think he really came on strong in conference play. Uh, He ended up averaging 6.7 points per game on the year. Uh, If he doesn't average double figures this season, I'll be very surprised. I think the, the roster lines up for him to spend a lot of time with the ball in his hands and both uh, on and off the ball as a guard. I think he's got the potential to score at all three levels. Uh, He showed last year he was fearless at Seton Hall, going up against the the Big Big East Defensive Player of the Year and scoring right over him, Uh, making a mockery of that voting, frankly. (laughs) He's he's not going to be afraid of anybody. He's got his legs under him. He's got a year of experience. I think he's going to make a real big jump this year.
0: All right, Braden. Uh, same question. Um, I think the guy that can make the biggest jump,
3: um, just based off the fact he barely played last year, was Danny Ramsey. Um, he obviously had um, some health issues. I believe his knees were giving him issues, and uh, he's also still kind of battling some injuries this year. But I think if he can um, get in there and rebound well defensively, I think that's going to get him a lot of time on the floor. Um, he's a pretty decent big man um, as far as his skill goes uh, offensively. Uh, he's able to kind of back people down. He's got a decent little mid-range game with a, uh, just a good amount of skill to him. But if he can get in there and rebound pretty well and play some solid defense, I think that'll, uh, that'll be what gets him out there and just add more depth to this team. Uh, obviously, last year he's not got a lot of experience coming back. But uh, if he can just get out there and do those little things right, I think that'll see him getting, you know, 10 minutes a game or something like that coming off the bench. Um, and maybe, who knows, maybe he can get out there and take over one night. But I think he'll definitely be a guy that just adds more depth and goes out there and plays some really solid defense. And
1: the, the guy team. I was thinking was uh, Jason Carter. And I also think he can, he can be the most important cog in this team. Um, Last year, Xavier had a real issue between the guys who were kind of their top tier, their frontline scorers or players and between Scruggs, Naj, and Tyreek. And then they had Fremantle and Tandy coming along, but nobody kind of in just that steady, reliable role. And I think Jason Carter, if you want to call it making a jump into there, can make that jump into just being the guy who you can plug in and count on for, uh, you know, if he can go for eight and five, like Joel was talking about, I believe Ben Stanley earlier, or, uh, you know, just somebody who can reliably, he gave reliable minutes last year, but you had no idea whether you were going to get the Jason Carter that dunks on, you know, Nate Watson, or you were going to get the Jason Carter that hit the side of the backboard with a three point attempt. Um, I think he has a lot to offer still. I'm wondering if maybe playing in front of essentially no one might help him because it seemed at times his confidence wavered a little bit last year and it almost looked like he was really aware of where he was. I've always wondered how they don't get like, oh my gosh, 11,000 people are about to watch me shoot this free throw. But it looked like sometimes he was really aware that 11,000 people were about to watch him shoot. Um, And maybe you know if it's only – 250 of his closest friends and family that might help him out a little bit, but I think Carter can be important, especially, you know, if he, if he goes anywhere between six and 12 points a game and gives 25 minutes, I would look at that as a bellwether for how well Xavier season's going. If he's able to get that time and be consistent with it. Uh, I think that would, especially like Joel was saying, help out Deontay miles a lot. Um, if it frees him up to be aggressive when he's in there, Hey, you can pick up a couple extra fouls because we have Jason Carter that we can rely on and that lets miles chase shots or, you know, really look for his on the offensive end. Um, That's going to be a huge, huge help to the team. So I think Jason Carter is a guy who can really make a jump this year.
0: Gotcha. Um, I can't believe it's taken us this long to talk about him, but I'm I'm going with uh, the big frosty Zach Fremantle Um, last year. He, he had some great, moments. He had some really good games actually. He really started putting it together um, as far as, as full game performances, not all 40 minutes, but um, as far as you know being a force throughout the course of an entire game. Um, of course the Yukon the game was kind of the, the moment where I think a lot of Xavier fans realized what exactly we have in Zach Fremantle. But I think he'll get more consistent minutes and he'll get more consistent touches because I think he'll be option 1A in the post um from from day one this year which obviously last year he wasn't um because they had tyreek Jones. um but i think this year he is going to get more consistent touches and um i think he's somebody who is going to make a jump into um you know i think it wouldn't be a surprise to me if he ends up on the the all big east team after the season, maybe not first team, but I could definitely see him jumping up um, and being a second team, all big East performer, because I think he's going to take a lot of people by surprise who might be sleeping on him right now um, with, with the consistency he'll be able to provide. So we asked for some questions slash your hottest takes. um, And and the one we got from um, captain Xavier um, who um, I'm becoming more more convinced by the day is just actually Justin Dolman. Um, but his his hot take was Colby Jones will start. So um, Joel, how, how likely do you think it, it'll be to see Colby Jones um, consistently start this year?
2: Not very, to be honest. I think Colby Jones is going to be an understudy in the role that Nate Johnson is going to be called on to play, which is be available to do what the team needs you to do on offense and be a consistently reliable defender. So if you look at the way the roster is put together right now with Adam Kunkel and Ben Stanley, uh, maybe or maybe not existing. It seems like. Nope. Not according to the NCAA. Wow. It, it seems like you've got. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Four guards. For, for three guard spots with Odom, who I think has a better chance of starting than Jones just because he fills that pure point guard role that nobody else really does. And then Johnson, Scruggs, who is a bright-it-in-ink, etch-it-in-stone starter. And, of course, Kiki Tandy. I think, you know, somewhere out of those four guys are going to come your three smallest starters, and then it'll probably be Carter and Fremantle inside unless uh, somebody we didn't see a lot of last year really surprises us but i don't you know i don't necessarily doubt that colby jones has starter level value or a starter level skill set i just don't think the roster lines up for him to have a starting spot this year
0: okay um we got one from uh at jerry basketball which i didn't see it on twitter but um at least last year it was alan iverson i think he's probably still alan iverson <clears throat> um is Dwan odom a point guard or more of a combo guard like tandy so brad covered this a little bit earlier but um duan odom comes in as really probably the only pure point guard you would say on the roster um and uh a guy who um who who looks to distribute first and um sees his own shot later um so i I think he kind of slots in there better than than uh tandy or a scruggs would um so i think just by virtue of that fact i think duan odom gets some play early and um eventually hopefully settles into that point guard rule um kind of like kind of like you saw with with two holloway um as a freshman so i guess the the final thing um to to you know hit on before we wrap up um when covid is finally gone um i I don't know what the writer of this question meant by that but what is the first thing you're doing um so i guess you know if you wake up one morning and you see on the news they've declared covid over what is the first thing you would do Braden?
3: uh i think the first thing i would do is uh go to some sort of a historic place that has been shut down due to the Rona, and uh, just get into some history. Uh, I always love going to places like that. You see some nature, uh, see an old battle site or something like that. Uh, I've always loved doing that. So if the news just announces that uh, COVID is just over, that'd probably be the first thing I do. But I'm not really hold my breath on that one. Well, you shouldn't hold your breath. Um, you could pass out.
2: It's, this March, I moved from the house I used to live in to the house I currently live in. And I must-move remark. Basically, the... Descriptive. I don't know why you think I act the way I do when you treat me like that. <laughs> the most needless purchase I made during that was a comically large television in anticipation of having everybody up and watching a bunch of basketball and eating fried food. So whenever the... Uh, pandemic is under control enough that you can have large indoor gatherings again. Um, we're going to sit in front of that television, and I don't care if it's uh, junior varsity curling. We're going to watch some sports and eat some hot wings. There we go. I think
0: the what I would really love to do, I, I like to watch um, live sports. You know, I, I think that's the one thing um I'm, I'm a bit of a homebody anyway. So, um, you know, I'm not like, I don't go out to the movies every weekend or anything, but uh, I do like to catch a Xavier game, catch uh, an Indians game. You know, honestly, I, I, I love going to major league baseball and I live in Dayton. So, or minor league baseball and I live in Dayton. So um, it's very easy to get to Reds games and watch some minor league baseball. Um, but You know, I think uh, just go to a live sporting event with with a a large crowd, which obviously we can't right now. Um, But I'd love for it to be a Xavier basketball game, Um, especially because I didn't get to one last year. So the last Xavier game I was actually at was uh, at Missouri, which not a good one. Um, So uh, that is it for this week uh, we'll be back with you next week as we kind of continue our Xavier season preview we're going to look around at some of Xavier's opponents um we're going to break down the Big East and um see where we see think Xavier is going to be able to finish in the Big East this year um obviously first place um but we'll see who's going to be battling it out for second place so we'll be back with you guys next week and we hope to uh, you uh, tune in then